Welcome back, guys. How are you guys doing today? How was your weekend? Hey, Lizette. What's up? How are you? I'm doing good. We're about to get started with episode three. And um, we do have a guest speaker, but the topic for today is going to be anxiety. A lot of us are struggling with this out there, and um, we need to bring awareness to this. Mm -hmm. So as our guest speaker, we do have Tina. Tina, um, if you would like to introduce yourself. Hi, everybody. My name's Tina. I'm a social work student here at USC. And it's my pleasure to be on the Hash It Out podcast. Yes. Um, and I've been lucky enough to be invited here to talk about my struggles with anxiety. So anxiety, um, I think a lot of us here in grad school are actually experiencing that. It's a difficult thing to deal with. But oftentimes... I think some of us experience it only momentarily, but there's others that carry it more. And that's why we're bringing you in today, right? We want to know, like, what are some of the feelings that you go through? What anxiety is to you? And in what ways do you struggle with this? I know it's a loaded question, but take your time with this and give us, bring, bring some awareness to yeah, bring the, the out there. Bring the, you know, listeners how you feel about anxiety. And I know you could probably reach out to the other people that are struggling with this as well so let's get started yeah let's get started tina we're gonna hand you over the mic okay so well i just want to start off by saying that like anxiety manifests in everybody very very differently and the symptoms and and the scope of how people can feel whatever the, it, it is that they're feeling is very different um, so in my experience, I, my anxiety mostly manifests in physical symptoms, whether it's like, uh, having a tight chest or sore muscles, mm. um, or my heart starts beating really, really fast. Um, my palms get sweaty, um, and it's very situational. So there can be a day where I wake up and I actually have something that should be making me anxious, but I don't necessarily feel it. And then there are days where there's not necessarily anything, any like, you know, anything at all that I should be anxious about. And I wake up and I'm experiencing these, these symptoms, um, but there's also like the typical, you know, triggers like having, you know, multiple things due. We're in grad school. We have papers due, you know, very close to each other. So that's also been one of the triggers. Um, but for me personally, it's mostly just like the lack of control. That's like the main thing mm. that perpetuates my anxiety um, because I'm so used to being able to control the situation, my environment um how people react to my own behaviors and that most of the time that's what that's what triggers it would you would you say that these triggers happen frequently i know that we're in grad school but we have a lot of things you just mentioned assignments yeah. we have presentations we have different things in what mm -hmm. ways are you able to cope with that um well uh the number one way that I've been able to cope is definitely therapy <laughs> and I would recommend therapy to everybody all the listeners out there um I think just being in this field it's such like for me working with with clients I think was the biggest reason why I finally decided to go to therapy because counter transference was like huge 
Mm. Like I, because in my culture, being from a Middle Eastern background, the stigma is so heightened that I had never even considered therapy before. And I feel like when I got to working with clients and I saw how anxiety manifested in their own experiences, in their own situations, um, and how it kind of contributed to their situation right now, why they were at our agency receiving services, I was like, okay, I need, I need to get um, kind of like control uh, with my anxiety because it felt like I had lost control it it does seem it seems like this because of anxiety because of what you've been dealing with because of responsibility because of the lack of control sometimes this triggers that but at this I do want to ask this is it because you've been experiencing this that you decided to go into a master's in social work is it because you are feeling all these different um Emotions. emotions and just rolling rolling with anxiety do you think that that helps you in any way to connect with your clients yeah definitely um i think that one of the main reasons why i came into this field and 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 landed on this path was because i saw such a big gap in how immigrant populations are just marginalized populations, how they were lacking the resources, even if they were willing to go to, um, to, to therapy. So, and then seeing that in, at, my, at my placement, at my agency, where most of the time people don't go because it's such a stigma especially in their communities like obviously when we're talking about mental health like we've had so much like we've made strides in having those conversations and creating that dialogue but it's still lacking like immensely in the marginalized population um that that dialogue isn't there so I feel like that's why I'm here that's that's one of my big goals that I want to achieve when I'm you know fully established in my career is creating that dialogue in populations that haven't had it necessarily that's beautifully said I think you hit on something really good right now you said stigmas Mm -hmm. and how oftentimes therapy is seen as a taboo especially with um, different cultures right you mentioned Armenian the Armenian culture I can say as a Hispanic, you know, from coming from a Mexican family, it's we have the same taboo. So if you go out looking for a therapy, which is often it's it's necessary for people to go through this, go to this because they're able to process their emotions and they're able to get to a a better state. Mm -hmm. But it's such a taboo to the point where if you go, you're, you're seen as crazy. Right. And yeah, I definitely. I think that you hit on something really big right now. And you saying that you want to be able to bring these resources to people, you know, that's that's impressive. We're talking about anxiety here and you're talking about your experience, but you're also talking about in what ways you can help other people. Because you've been able to manage this on, not on your own, but like, well, you've looked for the resources. You've yeah. connected yourself. <laughs> what, what took you to that point? What made you, like, what pushed you? pushed you to want to look for resources well I think like the first the first thing was I know that I'm like privileged enough like me me in comparison to my parents when we're talking about like I'm like going back and forth here but like intergenerational trauma for example like that's a main reason why like in in those marginalized communities like that's a big reason why people don't get help because you know they just think that that's the norm they've seen their parents react in that way they're reacting that way they're like oh this is how it's supposed to be um but i think like when it comes to getting help 
it was because I'm privileged enough to have gone to school and I've and I've learned about these concepts. I know we learned about anxiety and like Psych 101 and you, when you hear that repetitively and you come into a program like this where it's so heavily focused on symptoms and and clinical, you know, aspects of these like pathological things of these illnesses, you can't help but, you know, not I'm not I'm not advocating self-diagnosing but like you can't help but like see yourself within those symptoms that you're that you're you know that these case studies are talking about you know so that was one of the main reasons was because I was seeing myself in these case studies and I was seeing my symptoms in these you know in these examples and I was like okay maybe it's time but I also had the resources I knew how to get a therapist we have a health center on campus like I could I knew that if I called the number on the back of my insurance card I'd get a list of list of names but other people who haven't had the privilege of going to school don't have those resources like my parents don't know these resources Mm. like your parents probably don't know these resources so it's like it's starting that dialogue um and it's hard because it's it's intergenerational that trauma is like deeply rooted and set yeah that's beautifully said i think you hit on another uh, like a bunch of points right now i do want to say that um you know it's hard hard for people to even get to that point so power to you for even calling that number behind that card getting there takes a lot but even even in that even in in what we were talking about i can say that us as social workers right we're we're trained to take care of other people we're trained to give everything that we can can to to other people and we're talking about having self-care for ourselves right therapy is a form of self-care for ourselves we're able to decompress we're able to let emotions out but we're also able to find different ways and different resources to cope with things because we do take a lot we take a lot from the populations that we work with Mm -hmm. so i so i wanted to ask in what ways do you deal with this population and counter transference well it's definitely been um not a smooth journey. <laughs> um, so it, when I started work, so I, for context, I work with the homeless population mm-hmm. and anxiety and depression is undiagnosed in like 99% of them. Oh so when I have a, you know, when I have a participant who's in front of me and I kind of see myself in them and I see them, uh, you know, going through those symptoms that I experience, um, it's really, I'm not going to lie, at the beginning, that would trigger my own anxiety. So I think that self-care is very important um, and knowing how to disconnect. Um, and I think that, you know, you and Andrew can relate because it's, that's something that as, as you know, we're, we're establishing ourselves in the field, that's something that we really want, that like, that's a skill that we want to have now when we're fresh and new mm-hmm. and not later when we're trying to create, our, you know, our professional, our professional paths. So some ways that I, that I do that is, um, you know, I watch shows on Netflix, you know, it's like stuff like that. Like I take care of myself. I like take like a longer shower than I normally would. I put a mask on, you know, I, I exercise. So just finding those little pieces of just like time that's dedicated to you, 
um, to kind of disconnect your mind from what your clients are going through and sometimes what you're going through. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing because I am in the same boat as you a little bit because I know I work with the homeless population as well. And like today I was telling my preceptor about how my client's story just affected me. And she's just like, look, after you go home today, just like walk it out, talk to a friend, do something that's going to get it off, off of you because it's going to, you know, we're supposed to help out other people, but their stories also affect us too. And I think, you know, self-care is the best way. And um, so we have all different ways of self-care and it's a whole different definition of how we do it to process our own way of dealing with our clients. So how do you do with self-care with you, uh, Lizette? I think for me, self-care is creating something new, like a podcast, being able to make connections with people, creating relationships, and also seeing it from a different perspective. Hearing people's stories gives me hope, gives me courage, and it, it just allows me to keep moving forward. But I will say this, disconnecting is very difficult. It's a difficult thing to do because we are caring people. That's one of the things that we have is we're naturally caring. We care for people. We put people before, before us. us. But we always have to remember that we need to be first. And I think we forget that, especially in this profession. But I... Any, any last remarks, Tina, that you want to say? Um before we close yes um so for all the people listening and for lizette and andrew because i think that we all experience anxiety at some point in our lives it doesn't mean that that makes it any less important than you know someone like me who's, who experiences it like all the time but i think that being vulnerable like for me the hardest thing for me was that i felt like if i went to therapy it would kind of be like i was giving up that i couldn't do it on my own and uh i just like something that i wish to you know tell my future clients and everybody who's listening to the hashtag podcast is that going <laughs> going to therapy does not make you any less of a strong person it just means that you're an even stronger person so if you need help and you're in you're experiencing anxiety if you're experiencing depression if you just need someone to talk to if you don't feel understood then going to therapy or just finding those self-care outlets that we mentioned is like make it or break it wow thank you for the encouragement and i think i hope um all the listeners on here take your advice and um yeah, Tina, it's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Thank I, you. I think we needed to bring awareness on this. It's definitely a difficult topic. We have people, family members, yourself, you know, that experience this. But you're right. Um, looking for, for therapy is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength and wanting to transform and move forward. So thank you very much for, for coming over. Thank you for everything. Thank See you. you guys next time.